This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, send me a text, 2057, email me, inbox at radleycheck.radio. There's nothing harder to get to than the truth. It just isn't easy. It's not pure, not simple. And the best way we've got to getting to the truth about the world is through science. Not science of someone in a white coat coming on TV and telling you what to do and what to think. That's uh, propaganda. But science being tested against the real world, the objective world, to see what's true in our understanding about the world, to better understand the world, to figure out how things work. Not to tell people what to do, but to understand. And of course the way science works is that we have theories about how we think the Earth might go around the sun, how light might travel across the universe, what time is, what makes plants grow, how, oh, here's a good one, how the messages pass from our brain to our fingers through the nerve cells. Is it electrical? Is it chemical? Is it a bit of both? And all these things are science. And we have worked very hard to understand it. And that means putting up a theory about how you think it works and testing that theory against reality, testing it harshly, critically, and often find finding it comes up short. And when we do science, typically we're not just testing a theory against the objective world, but we're testing competing theories to find out which theory better describes what is going on and one will survive a critical test and the other won't and so we then say we have a better theory and it's not that we say we've got the truth because the one thing we know is that as our knowledge grows in a funny way the less we know and well-established theories get turned over or get adjusted and the wonderful example, of course, is Einstein's general theory overturning, not overturning, but extending Newtonian classical mechanics, which works in a specific case here on Earth, but not everywhere, as Einstein showed. And then that wonderful example of Einstein saying, well, if my theory's right, light from that distant star should bend around the sun by this amount, when there is a solar eclipse. And sure enough, that's what happened. And Einstein said, if it doesn't happen, nah, I'm wrong. You can forget about my theory. And in 1919, there was an expedition by Eddington, and they discovered that, uh, indeed, Einstein's prediction, bold prediction, survived the critical test. So science is hard. That's knowledge about the objective world. It seems to me when it comes to politics and people, it's so much more difficult to understand what happened, what the truth was. And the best way we've come up with 
and it's not foolproof by any means, is a trial by jury, by our peers, where someone gets charged with, say, a murder, and we want to find out, did this fellow do it? And we set a test, and we say, beyond reasonable doubt, did this person do it? So it's not a guarantee, and we know the court system got it wrong many, many times, an amazing number of times. I believe it's got it wrong for people that are now currently in our jails. So it's not fallible. But we go about it in a particular way, and that is you put up the prosecution, and they put their case and have to make all the information available to the defence, whose job it is, is not to, what's the word, um, be even-handed. Their job is to put the very, very best case they can that the person charged is not guilty. And so if you like, there's this proposal and counter-proposal, toughly argued with witnesses appearing, evidence being presented, both sides arguing it out, and that's the best system we've come up to for deciding whether someone's guilty beyond reasonable doubt or not. And notice we don't prove their innocence. Just because you were found not guilty doesn't mean you're innocent. It just means you were found not guilty. Not guilty because you couldn't be found guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Now, reflecting on all of that and listening to Ali Evans is why documentaries bother me. I've never appreciated documentaries as a way of getting to the truth. I like documentaries about science and I like documentaries about people, and I like documentaries about things where they're telling, if you like, a historical story where the heat's removed from it. Might be about Rome, like we don't get hit up about Rome in history or Greek history, or even things like World War II now, we don't get so hit up about it. And so you can enjoy a documentary about that. But that's something that, like, even New Zealand history now has got hot and contentious. And you feel that any book or documentary on New Zealand history will be spinning a yarn, if you like, using particular facts to fit the story. So let's just come to documentaries and think about this, comparing it to a court case. They are so different, right? Because all you hear, if you like, is the prosecution. The journalist, the person telling the documentary story, is like the prosecution. There is no counter. There is no defense. And so you, you, I can imagine if all you hear in a murder trial was the prosecution, you'd be sitting there enduring saying, oh, this person's clearly did it. If all you heard was a defense, you'd conclude clearly this person didn't. 
you actually need to hear both. And here's another interesting thing. The sort of defense in a trial gets access to the evidence that the crown, the prosecution has. Some of it may be unusable for legal reasons, but it's there. And when someone's giving evidence in a trial, they're on oath. No one in a documentary is on oath. So you have this remarkable situation where documentaries being put together, no one on oath, no one required to tell the other side of the story, no set standard, no actual critical defence. And so we saw, with fire and fury, the worst abuses of the documentary process. Because clearly, the journalist's concern had the story written before they started. This was the story they wanted to tell. And they assembled it, either consciously written down or just by way of thoughts. Oh, this is the story that we will tell. These people being manipulated by misinformation because they weren't relying on professional journalists because now we have the internet and there's people like, well, Rodney Hyde, who isn't a professional journalist, talking to people. And so they're being misinformed. And perfectly reasonable people like this lovely nana from Tauranga Ali Evans through misinformation is being rendered not just going to a protest but getting violent. And it was a big thing to them that there had to be this violence. And so Ali unwittingly became an actor in their story, the story that they were set out to tell. Never once did they test that story. Never once did they question themselves. Never once did they get, get people on that would put the other side. And, of course, even if they had done that, they would be patsies because they had a story that they wanted to tell. And it went so far as the journalist Paula Penfold messaging Ali. Oh, how are you? Did you make it home? Love to catch up. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, so sweet. Yada, 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 yada. And Ali reluctant to give an interview and then saying, well, you know, if we were prepared to talk about the vaccine injured, which is my concern, you know, and, 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 and talk to them. Yes, yes, okay. And it proceeds. And then with the camera on, she got ambushed with questions like, you know, you've been violent before, you always violent, what made you violent? And the camera, over and over, showed Ali Evans telling a photographer to leave. Leave, wave your hands, leave, leave. There's nothing violent inherent in asking someone to leave a group. You're perfectly entitled to do that. But in the context of the documentary, with the voice saying violence, and they were showing people throwing stuff and fires, Ali Evans was painted as a violent nana, radicalized by misinformation. Completely false. Completely misrepresenting a situation. Because no counter, no criticism, 
no obligation to uphold the truth, to tell the truth, none of it whatsoever. And then you have the experts weighing in. Oh, yes, no, this is how this happened. And there's poor Ellie. What? Just used. Used and abused to tell a story. The opposite, the very opposite of what she wanted to say, of why she went to the protest, and indeed the very opposite of her behavior. And again, this is why documentaries are so dangerous, because they're visual. And you realize so much of how we take in information is visually. Oh, no, it was true. I saw it. I saw Ali being violent. No, we didn't. We saw her asking someone to leave. But it was placed in this context of seeing violence and of having a documentary tell us this was violent, this was violent. It is classic propaganda and yet we looked at that documentary and if you didn't know better you'd believe every word and I guess this is how propaganda works and it doesn't just have to happen the once it has to happen over and over and over and over so how many times did we hear that phrase oh misinformation misinformation violent protest the ended violently over and over and over and over until it becomes true and literally we're brainwashed and i'm brainwashed i'm always being brainwashed Every time you read something, turn on the TV, you're getting this image. And if you think you're not brainwashed, you know, you're missing what's it. The nature of the human mind, the nature of what's around us with the media, with Hollywood. And so the only way, again, we can escape it or see through it is to have open and free speech and to be opposed to different ideas and to have things that we've always taken for granted questioned. Why do you think that? What makes you believe that? And you go back and you ask yourself. And if you come across someone who, when you ask them those questions, wave their hands, get angry, scoff, belittle you, well, they haven't got the facts or the argument on their side, and sadly they have been brainwashed. And have sympathy for them, because we all are, because we just don't have the ability to sift through all the knowledge and information. But on critical things, we can keep our open mind. And on things that we think are obvious, we have to be listening to the dissent and the critique and the criticism. And in doing that, we can get somewhere nearer the truth. Or we can discover that, yes, actually what I was thinking was right. But now I can reason it. I can argue it. I can defend it. It still doesn't make me right, 
but makes me better informed. And that's why that interview with Ali Evans, to me, was so significant. Because we got to look inside the making of a documentary and how it had a story to tell and it didn't matter what the facts were. They were going to be selected. It didn't matter what Ali had to say. What she said was going to be selected. And indeed, she was to be ambushed to look puzzled and annoyed, like you're accusing me of being violent. That was enough. And a clip could be edited and put into a completely different context to suggest that this peace-loving, kindly Nana from Tauranga was radicalised and made violent. Why? Because she'd been misinformed. How did that occur? Because people were listening to people other than us, other than journalists. And I think we're very, very lucky now, when you look at it, that the internet, that Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, all these abilities, RCR, have opened up the channels to us <clears throat> because it would be very, very dark indeed if we relied on the Paula Penfolds to be telling us the news because they're picking and choosing. And these days they're not even trying to be objective. They're telling a narrative. They're telling a story. And if you disagree with their story, you're a bad person. And they give us names, conspiracy theorists, Nazis, racists, genocidal maniacs, you name it. But again, that just highlights their absence of an argument. And at base, it's this too, behind it. There's a totalitarian thread running through all of this about a group who believe that they're right and everyone else is wrong. That is to say the journalists are right and everyone else is wrong. And that they are right to be telling what they think and believe because everyone they know thinks and believes this. And they'll go to any length to push that story, that news, that documentary, including using people. So Ali became not an end in herself for the documentary, but a means to an end for the journalist pushing the story. How bad is that, that you use people in that way? And of course, that's why they can also happily label people who disagree with them with extraordinary names. Extraordinary. Despicably. Oh, you're a climate change denier. Right? I can disregard your view and you label it for all the public to see. Ali Evans, violent conspiracy theorist, misled by misinformation. So they label people. That means you don't respect them as an individual. That means you're part of a totalitarian movement where people aren't people for their own sakes. 
but can be used and abused for the cause. Send us a text, 2057. Email me, inbox at rallycheck.radio. You're listening to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on Rally Check Radio. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am.